Hello, everybody. It is Monday, November 20th, 2023, 11, 11 a.m. Sending you greetings and salutations of health, wealth, wisdom, love, excitement, laughter, fun, peace, family, legacy, camaraderie, and all of those wonderful things. My name is Brian Engelman. This is the Unhappy Hour on the new American media because the old American media has failed you. Put your comments in so that I can include them into the show. Type them in. Um, They should port over, and I will try to get to them as we discuss the marathon uh, prize fight between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. It was exactly what you would expect out of a mid-November AFC North showdown. Sands the rain, sands the snow. So we didn't have rain, we didn't have snow, but it was it was a battle. Here we go. I'm gonna full screen this. Try to full screen this. Maybe I'll unfull screen this, but I will turn it down because I want to get your comments. Okay, really quick, like the show, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, I don't even know if just find the unhappy hour sports show. I don't think it's youtube.com slash something's off with where it's located. I gotta fix that, but find it and like it. If you're joining us from the unha- uh, from the New American Media, I do a show during football season every Monday about the game and about sports. So if you're here for the regular news of the world, the crazy goings on, um, we go live at Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday and Thursday between, uh, well, at 3 p.m. Eastern. Actually, I don't know what's going to happen for Thanksgiving. Maybe we'll still do a Thanksgiving show. I don't know. I got to double check. I'll talk with Blake and figure that one out. But yeah, yesterday was an incredible game, and we're going to get into it right now. All right, so yesterday started off with the return of a legend. No, we're not talking about Deshaun Watson. Not the massage parlor legend Deshaun Watson. Oh, that was so unfair. Well, he did it to himself. We're talking about Jimmy Donovan. I don't know. When did people start calling him Jimmy? I mean, he's not really Jimmy, but it is Jim Donovan. And that is who returned for us yesterday. And we've started this new tradition where someone walks up and smashes a guitar before the home games. I don't know who's done it at every game of the year. I know when I went to the 49ers game, it was Brown's legend, Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson smashed it. And of course, that that game came down to a field goal kick at the end. Um, It was a missed kick by San Francisco. You know, and and that's something the Browns have just traditionally, and I mean traditionally since 1999, because traditionally we've been a very good franchise. Um, If you've seen that video of Bernie Kosar, he's at a big party and he's talking about, oh, you know, people from Pittsburgh and the rivalry and, you know, you've won titles in every decade and this and that and storied tradition, you know, you get, and the the people in the crowd, they're like, okay, enough, enough, stop, what are you getting at? And Bernie goes, yeah, except for those nine years where I kicked your ass. It was pretty awesome. Uh, But traditionally, the Browns were an ass-kicking team. Uh, Otto Graham went to 10 straight championship games for the Cleveland Browns, won seven of them. 
That's goat status. Tom Brady entered the Otto Graham talk, not the other way around. You know, both and, and the whole goat talk really is kind of dumb. I get it. And the more decades that you put into sports, the more you have like generational goats, LeBron and, and uh, Jordan, then go back Bill Russell and Wilt and some of these some of these greats that have played. How do you really compare Jim Brown to Barry Sanders to Marshall Falk? I mean, it's just maybe Marshall to Sanders is a little easier, but you get what I'm saying. When you enter goat type status, you just enter that upper echelon. You enter a room that very few people have been. Um, but yeah, the Browns have traditionally been a really good team. 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, 80s. It's just been really tough going since 1999. So it's nice to see us get out of this funk. Uh, we had previously, frustratingly, just embarrassingly, uh, painstakingly, been in this malaise, just this putrid, horrid malaise. It's like you could almost hear the tuba music playing when we'd walk in the room as a team, when we'd walk out from the locker room onto the the field of play. Oh, we going to screw this one up. And that's that's kind of how they had carried themselves. It was like that a pig pen from from Peanuts. Wherever he would go, he'd just have this cloud of stink around him, just this flies and filth. And the Browns have shaken that off this year. Oh crap! I'm I'm talking football, and I used a Taylor Swift reference. Sorry, that's as unbearable as anything Kelsey or Mahomes related. Ugh. Ugh. Anybody but them. But the Browns have won a lot of gutsy games. Last week, Deshaun coming out with a broken shoulder, it turns out, going 14 for 14 in the final half, the second half of the game, to come from behind and beat the Ravens was gutsy. Hanging in there, going down 10 points right off the bat to the San Francisco 49ers and fighting back and winning it at the last second was gutsy. Fighting the Indianapolis Colts, down to the wire, high-scoring game, uncharacteristic with our defense, but we put up points which was uncharacteristic for our offense. Gutsy. You know, these are these are games that traditionally in the modern era, 1999 to now, essentially the past 25 years, those are games the Browns have usually found a way to lose. Snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. But not so much. Not so much now. The tides are turning. And Jim Donovan got it started, smashing the guitar. Uh, Jim back in the booth, calling the game. Great to hear his voice. Continued prayers for health and wellness for him as he battles, uh, what is it, leukemia, I believe. Blood cancer, I believe, that he's fighting. So let's get into the game. Let me just really quickly double check, see what we have in the studio. Switch over to this. Okay. Perfect. Now, let's talk about the game. Oh, the game, the game, the game, the game. So the game started off right at the beginning was a really odd sequence where we had two safeties, but we had zero safeties. And then we had a touchdown, but did we? So it starts off with a Miles Garrett sack. I, 
Kenny Pickett gets blasted five, six yards deep into the end zone on a safety. They called, I don't know what they're doing with these safeties. They're saying that he had forward progress to like the inch line. I'm sorry. Look, when you're playing the game, the end zone is supposed to be lava. You ever play that game as a kid? It's like the floor is lava and you got to jump onto the couch and you got to crawl over to the chair and you got to jump onto the table and that you can't touch the floor and you got to get from here to there, you know, whatever variation of the floor is lava. Well, the end zone is lava. When I played, I played, I started at defensive tackle, then I moved to defensive end. And that's really where I kind of specialized miles position, actually. And anytime you could get somebody into that end zone and tackle them, bing, put your hands above your head like this. You do that walk like an Egyptian thing where you kind of do that above the head. That's the international symbol for safety. I, I, I thought that was a pretty crystal clear smackdown of a safety. If you don't want to suffer a safety, don't get tackled in the lava. So then they tried to, ch they challenged, but they, they, or they tried to challenge on the, on the second one. They tried to challenge next play was stopped. It looked like he was tackled in the end zone. It was a running play. I believe they didn't call that. I did read a report on, on X follow us on X. We're at the unhappy hour underscore, please. And American underscore media underscore for our flagship channel. But I did read a report that Stefanski tried to challenge it, but the refs wouldn't allow him the challenge. It was just a really odd sequence at the very beginning of the game. I, th I thought that they did plenty to deserve the, the, the safety on either of those two plays. Kind of felt robbed. My call to the NFL I have two of them this season, at least. First one being, if a player makes a play that is so deliberately dirty, and you define deliberately dirty as you would never make that play on one of your teammates in practice. You don't chop somebody's knee like Minka Fitzpatrick did from the Steelers on Nick Chubb to ruin his season. You don't do that to somebody in practice. You don't do it in a game. If you do something in a game that you would never do in practice without getting cut by your team, you need to be suspended for the length of time that it takes for that player to return to the field of play. And we were talking about it with Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Matt Petgrave, the hockey killer, um, Draymond Green, you know, putting people in headlocks and kicking people between the legs. And it's just there's an escalation of violence if you don't. And that Matt Petgrave was known as one of the dirtiest hockey players. He had the most penalty minutes. He was constantly getting in, into trouble, but he wasn't being punished enough. He didn't take it seriously. He was getting his wrist slapped, so he kept doing it. Kept advancing what he did until he did a Bruce Lee karate chop. Damn near cut the guy's head off. Finally arrested the guy. And for some reason, the, the, half the media companies are scared to say his name. His name is Matt Petgrave. And this wasn't falling down and a, and a skate tumbled up and, you know, took a weird angle and, and a, a, just a freak accident. This was drops a shoulder and then lifts a leg to just slice. 
So yeah, that, that's my first call to the NFL is when you see Minka Fitzpatrick do something to one of your league's stars. Nick Chubb was one of the best we've seen ever on the field of play. And we're robbed of his talent now because of that dirty ass play. So the length of suspensions on dirty plays need needs to increase. Also, you need to revisit the um, end zone is a lava rule, the safety rule. We're told that all scoring plays will be reviewed. Well, guess what? Something that's borderline safety, that's a scoring play. That's two points and possession of the ball. That needs to be reviewed. But they didn't. And so <laughs> Browns really came up on the short end of the stick there. Um, something I want to keep an eye on this week. I, I saw Miles Garrett early in the game. He suffered a scratch or something to his eye. I, I, I don't know. Do you need to put a visor on, bro? <laughs> I, I, I want my superstars protected. Also, the minority owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. By the way, the Cavaliers who knocked off the defending champion, uh, Denver Nuggets, yesterday in a back-to-back. It's cool when you can go down to go down to uh, Cleveland and, and take in two games. I was there last year for a Browns game and for that playoff game. Yankees, we lost, unfortunately. But it was good going to two, two games. Um... So yeah, I just want to keep an eye on Miles' eye <laughs> this year. So when when Jerome Ford went in on that rushing touchdown, it was called short, and I saw the replays, and he looked short. They kind of gave an overhead view shot, but it was at an angle. So I don't know that I could trust the angle of the replay that, that they were showing me. I don't know that I could have overturned that. But was that overturned touchdown call kind of payback for the missed safety call? Two missed safety calls. I don't know. Maybe it didn't hurt us. I'm not saying it was what happened. But it was interesting. It was interesting. So Jerome Ford punched it in. Browns were up 7-0. You know, also another play that stood out to me was uh, Cedric Tillman. Now that DTR, no, not DTR, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, DPJ, is gone. We're seeing more of Cedric Tillman. And that's good because we we spent, what was he, a third-round pick out of Tennessee? I believe third round. B- uh, bigger player. So there was a, 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 a reverse with five minutes left in the half. It was a nice block by DTR. when It, ca- it started one way, got to Tillman, came back the other way, and DTR came out. Now, he, he had kind of shitty form, and he kind of dove and kind of didn't really, and he sort of, but he took the guy out of making the tackle on Tillman. So he did his job enough. So kudos to the heart on that. Maybe he could work on his technique a little bit, but it was nice to see that. Um, You know, the Browns went up 10-0. It was one of these games where, with the payback, with, with what they did to Nick Chubb, I was really hoping to just go after them and just boot on the neck. No, no mercy, no slowing down. Ultimately, that's not what happened. We went up 10, took it to the half, and then they came out, and it was a different game. This was this was where the old Browns 
you know, the, the past 25 years of the Browns, you started getting anxious. And, and some of it started from the offense. You could see what was happening with the Steelers. They were starting to jump the passes. They were undercutting the receiver. They, they were figuring out three-step, five-step drops. They were seeing that they were short curls or short slants. And the Steelers were getting way more aggressive in the second half. I, I think something that needs to happen, and, and the announcer, the commentators mentioned it, um, and, and it really became obvious that you need like a hitch and go. Like turn around, let, let them over-pursue, and then take off. Do the full spin and go the other way and just you'll, – you'll be wide open. They were over-pursuing. Um, now, I know that we saw DTR look really bad when he was chucking it 40 yards downfield against the Ravens, but that was also just like without a rhyme or reason. He was just in the pocket kind of getting – he's on, on his back feet just chucking it up in the middle of the field. Really bad plays. They need to make some designed plays where it's going to be – a reception or it's going to go out of bounds. And that's actually what happened with Cooper. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, but anyway, it, it's something that you saw. DTR did enough. He was playing well. He was sharp. There were a couple of drops. Anyway, I'm starting to get to some of my other points. Let me just, just finish tearing through this. But yeah, a hitch and go, something to catch him over pursuing. Um, I did like DTR using his wheels. I've I've said I don't want to see Deshaun Watson running because I don't want to see him injured. Well, he's injured. And this is really is a part of the game that DTR brings. The lack of maybe far arm strength. I was also reading where DTR in the in the I think Will Levis might have been the first, and then DTR was number two, like the second strongest or second fastest throw that they had clocked that day. He has arm strength. They just need to design the plays where he can let it rip, I guess. So you got you got to do that for next week. You got to do that for the rest of the season. You can't just dink and dunk the whole time. You got to keep the defense honest. Um, but I, I did like DTR running a little bit. And yeah, to end the end the first half, almost a touchdown to Cooper in the end zone. The pass was a little kind of sailed, a little out of grasp, a little out of bounds. It wasn't quite something that he could have caught. Um, but yeah, to the end of the half, I mean, it would have been really nice to go up 14, nothing there. It unfortunately did not happen that way. We settled for three, went in at halftime, 10 to nothing. Um, so then after that, start off in the second half, like I was starting to say there, um, Jalen Warren, man, he, he seems to be the far superior back to Najee Harris. I don't know what's going on there. Najee Harris seems pretty frustrated with what's going on in their offense. Um, but Jalen, mm, Jalen Warren, he looked good yesterday. Such a shame we didn't, we're robbed of a full Sunday of Nick Chubb because of that dirty ass Minka Fitzpatrick play. You would never tackle somebody in practice that way. And if you do it in a game, you should lose your season. You really should. You can't award headhunters. I think he's injured right now, which is fitting. But, yeah, second half started off. Greg Newsom over-pursued, missed a tackle on Jalen Warren, and he just sprung out of there. 26 was close, but he took a bad angle, took a bad route. 
and Jalen Warren knocked off what was a seventy-six yard touchdown, and you just you just kind of it's like we sort of dominated that whole game up until that point, and then it's that one play, and you're going, it's a four-point game, up oh, three-point game, it made the field extra point. <sighs> Everything you did only gave you a three-point advantage now, and you're just going. I wasn't worried. I was just frustrated because I've kind of adopted this philosophy this year. So many weird penalties from the referees. Everybody picks up their cell phone and uh, has gambling apps and everybody wants you betting and parlays and where you can win all this money. It's just, you wonder with Vegas, how many of these referees are bought and paid for? You just wonder. So I've kind of adopted this philosophy this year that you really have to win the games by 24. You got to win by 24. Like the Tennessee Titans game. Go up so far that one goofy um, deflected pass, pick six, fumble and phantom pass interference play. That's all you got to do. Go, go 40 yards downfield, chuck it up and whoop, phantom pass interference. We saw it how many times with the Ravens? Ugh, the Ravens against the Bengals. I was trying to watch that Thursday night game. I, I, I had to stop watching. I'm like, this is unbearable. It's un- unwatchable. Some of them were, maybe you could see it. Some were ticky tack and some were just, there was no there there. So that those all together, I don't know how many uh, holding or passing or f- automatic first down. I mean, there's ways to rig games that aren't super obvious, but it really comes down to holding calls on your offense, um, uh, offensive line, pass interference type calls against your defense. And you can totally swing a game easily. So I was hoping this game was going to be one of those. We're up by 10. They're not showing much. We, we had a safety that they took off the board. Like we're, we're kind of dominating here. Let's go. Let's go to 17 nothing. Let's go 24 nothing. Let's just go boot on the neck. Damn, if Jalen Warren didn't change that all with that 76 yard touchdown run. Um, I did like uh Prochet. Now Prochet had a pretty costly or potentially costly muffed punt return for us recently. But he had a really nice return in the third taking it to midfield with four minutes left in the third. You know, this game had really tightened up. Uh, Browns were fortunate to get a nice roughing the passer call on Highsmith to extend a drive. And then DTR, man, had an interception. We were trying to put another field goal on the board at the end of the third. Had an interception. Popped out of Cooper's hands. Cooper has to catch that. If it hits both... Now... Maybe if I could zoom in and double check, maybe the defender might have got a hand in there to cause it to deflect. I don't think so, but it is possible. So I, I can't put that completely on Cooper. I can't put it completely on DTR, but you kind of got to catch those. And so that took points off the board for us. Lots of drop balls today. Lots of drop or yesterday, rather. Yeah, Jalen Warren looked nice. Jalen Warren was was kind of getting it done for him back there. He just seemed faster, more loose, and a lot of stiff arms, a lot of aggression and power. Kind of like we were missing a Nick Chubb 
for for real. That's that's what he kind of wrote. different size, sort of. I, th- I think a different size. I mean, Chubb's just so thick with those squats. Like he's just pure power and deceptively fast, track fast. But yeah, Warren reminded me of a little bit of Chubb yesterday. Missed missed made me miss Chubb so much. You know, th- this whole season, the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, it seems like they've been getting outplayed by most of their opponents. But somehow, they keep finding ways to win them. And you just kind of got that feeling yesterday that that's exactly what we were going to end up in the middle of. It was going to be one of those had it and couldn't get it done type games, and then you'd make excuses. Well, we're missing three of our starting left tackle or our offensive tackles. Actually, Dewan Jones played yesterday. I thought he was out. Then I thought they played him. Yeah, double check that. But we've had key injuries to Jack Conklin, Dewan Jones, uh, Jedrick Wills, Nick Chubb, our running back, Deshaun Watson, our quarterback. I mean, we're missing key players on this offense. And I just, I, I, I didn't want to have to go into excuse mode. I hate excuse mode. Excuse mode sucks coffee is for closers cheers everybody this is my twice brewed coffee it tastes kind of weird you ever make a pot of coffee and it looks really light and you go oh man and you open up the thing and like the the coffee flap the, the little coffee receptacle paper fell over on itself and it blocked the and it's like it took the water and just didn't really so then I poured the coffee back into the coffee pot to run it through it again. And then I rinsed. Did I rinse it? Yes. I meant to rinse it. No, and I did rinse it because it was super hot and I had to pour it out carefully, not on the plastic. Okay. But yeah, that happened. Anyway, it's kind of a strange taste there. But you just got the feeling this was a game that the Browns might find a way to slip away. When we were at the 49ers game, when the 49ers got back into it right at the end, and it was just like, I was staying positive. I I felt like we were going to win it. But Brandon, my college roommate, he's just like, oh, it's over. Oh, my God, I can't believe he had jumped to the foregone conclusion that we, I'm like, no, 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 come on, come on. Like, imagine that me trying to be the positive one. But we did. This is a tough, tough team, gutsy team. And so with 7.40 to go, it's a 10-10 game. Uh, we had a three-minute drive from our own 13. And then a second miss on a catchable ball by David Njoku gives the ball back to the Pittsburgh. Then Pittsburgh gives it back to us. So there we are from our own 35. Pretty decent field position. Minute 18 left. I noticed, by the way, I wanted, I felt like we called um, Elijah Moore's name a lot more this, this game. He's our third most targeted receiver. Tillman only had two. We got to get more production out of him. He had that eight-yard reverse. But yeah, Elijah Moore, seven targets, six receptions, 60 yards. David Njoku was clearly the the most targeted player. Double what, what they did to Cooper. Cooper had eight targets, four receptions, 34 yards. And Joku had 15 targets, but eight of those were incomplete. At least two of them were dropped that he should have caught. 
Uh, Pierre Strong with with a target and a reception. He had one rush for one yard. I, I wish we'd use Pierre Strong a little bit more. I mean, on the day rushing, we're traditionally a pretty good rushing team. We didn't even crack triple digits. 96 yards on the ground, 20 coming from DTR. Kareem Hunt, 12 rushes for 36 yards. Jerome Ford, 12 rushes for 31. That's a 3 and a 2.6 average for them rushing. Compare that to 9 carries for 129 yards and a touchdown for Jalen Warren. Yeah, Najee Harris is 12 for 35 is pretty much what you got out of Ford and Hunt. I liked what I saw out of Pierre Strong. I want to see him back in the rotation a little bit more. I think he's earned it. I saw him... I saw decent things out of him. That really should be like a three-headed beast, not just a two-headed beast back there. Like 76 yards. Jeez, Hunt and Ford only gave you 67 on the day. Anyway, but yeah, Elijah Moore, finally six receptions. That's got to be the most he's had on the day, or on the season, rather. It's nice to... I mean, we thought he was going to be a key part of the the offense. So that Njoku miss gives the ball back to Pittsburgh, but then we stomp them out and get the ball back. So there we go from our own 35, good field position, minute 18 left. Elijah Moore with a nice catch. Cooper with a nice, nice catch, getting us into deep field goal range. And then Njoku getting a first down catch down to the 25-yard line of Pittsburgh. Look, th this was this was the game-winning drive from Dorian Thompson-Robinson out of UCLA. Uh, was it a perfect pretty game? No. He also had an interception that was missed. Could have been, would have been. So he ended up having one interception, no touchdown passes. Could have been two. Only a 32 quarterback rating. But look, Kenny Pickett was a first-round draft pick. He only had a 34 quarterback rating, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That kind of was the difference. But, yeah, if you look at it, the plays attempted, DTR had 43 passing attempts compared to Kenny Pickett's 28. Does it tell you the um, time of possession? I don't see it. But, I mean, just, yeah, Chant, Chandon Sullivan got the interception. It's not really telling me the time of the time possession should be maybe it's on team stats. Mm. Um okay, there we go. There's a time of possession. I had to go to a second screen. 31 minutes for the Browns, 28 minutes for the Steelers. I thought it might have been a little bit more, but once again, like they kind of took over in that third quarter. We kind of had the first half. So it really was a bit of a tale of two halves. Halves haves the haves and have-nots oh boy what this what is this sorry i don't know what that was but the browns were able to get the win thankfully 13 to 10 huge win just this is, we. I think we are one of only nine teams in the NFL with seven wins. 
That's a big deal. It puts you in rarefied air. Um, yeah, so the Ravens played on Thursday. They got that win, unfortunately, over the Bengals. They currently lead the division. We've had a split with them. We lost the first game, won the second game. They're 8-3, and three, we're 7-3. and three. And It's nice. We got a little bit of separation now on the Steelers. Who dropped to six and four? Bengals go to five hundred at five and five. Let me do the standings for the conference. How about that? Browns are currently ranked fifth in the AFC conference. Same exact record as the Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars, and then just above them, with a slightly higher winning percentage, are the Ravens at eight and three, with the two seed. And the Chiefs at seven and two. I mean, that's only half a game difference. Oh my gosh, is it doing this again? What is happening? I guess I'm going to stop using ESPN. Fine, screw them. Here, let me go to Fox Sports. I really do need to get away from ESPN in general. I'm just so used to their layout. I don't like ESPN. We are the anti-ESPN here at the New American Media and the Unhappy Hour. You know, it's two times in a row on that damn site. Oh, Lord. Okay. Division standings. No, I want league standings. Okay, so that's those are the top teams in the AFC. It's so nice to see the Browns right there at fifth best record in the AFC. Right below that, the Browns are the Texans and Steelers tied at six and four. Texans, look, don't look now. I mean, good for CJ Stroud and Tank Dell. They're fun to watch. Really feel like they won that Deshaun Watson trade. I'm not a super big fan of that, but I digress. I wasn't a fan of it the moment it happened. We paid way too much as in, far, in so far as too many draft picks. We paid too much in the guaranteed contract, but I'm, I'm not here to re-legislate that. Um, after the Steelers and Texans, you got the Bills at 6-5. and five. Then below that, you got a few teams at 500 trying to figure out what their season is going to be. Colts, Broncos, Bengals. We beat the Colts barely. We beat the Bengals. And we get the Bengals the last game of the year. Our next game is going to be in Denver against the 5-5 five and five Broncos, sitting at number 10 in the AFC. Beneath them are the Raiders at 5-6. and six. They're kind of turning their season around, trying to at least. They dropped theirs yesterday, right? Chargers at 4-6. and six. That's kind of surprising. Will Brandon Staley be gone? Jets at four and six. Then the Titans at three and seven, and the Patriots at two and eight. Patriots at two and eight. Yeah, they're kind of right there with the three and eight Bears, the two and nine Cardinals, and the one and nine Panthers right at the top of that draft class. I mean, you got to think who would draft a quarterback next year? I think it's safe to say that the Patriots need one. Panthers just took one, Cardinals just signed one, Bears recently took one.
anyway, some of the top teams in the NFC as we're starting to think about who we're going to defeat in the Super Bowl. Yes, I said it. Think it. Speak it into existence. Envision the Browns. Miles Garrett holding up the MVP. Picture it. Envision it. What if we did get a get a Browns and Lions Super Bowl? Classic franchises who've never been to one. If we go in the same year, wouldn't that be great? I think so. So the top of the class, the cream of the crop with the NFC, the Eagles at 8-1, and one, obviously. A, a solid team there. The Lions at 8-2. and two. Third seed is the 49ers, 7-3. and three. Got a big win over Baker's Bucks yesterday. And then, now how is how are they doing these? That, this makes no sense because they have the Saints at 5-5. Five and five. Above the seven and three Cowboys, somebody made a mistake here. So anyway, Cowboys and 49ers are both seven and three. Seahawks six and four. Vikings six and five. Then another drop off. Packers four and six. Rams four and six. Falcons four and six. Buccaneers four and six. Commanders four and seven. Giants, Bears, Cardinals, Panthers. Panthers with one win. So look, the Browns are in that rarefied air right now. Seven-win team. It's a glorious thing. So, turning our eyes outward, we got to look to next week and see what's going on with the Denver Broncos. So, look, it's on the road. That's going to be challenging. It's in mile high. Well, it's at their new stadium, but it's still rarefied air up there. Yes, I'm coming back to that phraseology. That is a 4.05 game next Saturday. And then once again, let's look toward the rest of the season. We got Broncos, Rams, Jaguars, Bears, Texans, Jets, Bengals. There are some winnable games in there, folks. Winnable games. Broncos, Rams, Jaguars, Bears, Texans, Jets, Bengals. And, of course, Bengals, Joe Burrow out for the season. Uh, the New York Jets, I don't know. There's rumblings that Aaron Rodgers might be able to play. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting playing the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud. Maybe tee off against the Bears and Justin Fields. Jaguars might be a tough game coming up for us. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he did he run in two touchdowns yesterday? The Rams, that's so the Browns have back to back uh, four o five or four o'clock starting games at the Broncos four o five and at the Rams four twenty five. I wonder if we're gonna fly back just to fly out again, probably. But I don't know. You wonder. Maybe you should just stay at a facility and stay on the West Coast. Anyhow, that's what we got going on in the NFL, and I'm really proud of this team. They are winning games that they have traditionally in the modern era been losing. So I'm I'm ecstatic that we've turned the corner in that regard. But every game's tough. You can't take a single game for granted. Uh, speaking about every game being tough, the Cavaliers, like I said, they did get that tough win over the Nuggets. Yesterday, they improved to 7-6 and six on the season with the 8th best record in 
the conference in the East, kind of middle of the pack there. Um, but they're starting to get healthy now. And so we hope to kind of maybe make a run over on that side. Miles Garrett, minority owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Pretty cool to see. Yeah, Miles considers himself a Clevelander. He wants to stay his whole career here. Let's make it happen. Let's go to 10 straight NFL championships and win all of them. Speak it into existence. So really big game. Really impressed. Uh, you know, uh, Michael sent me this. He said, <clears throat> it's from Anthony Lima. Lima? 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 The Browns are 7-3 and three with an offense that is statistically worse than their 1-15 season. Now, who saw that coming? With no chub, quarterback a revolving door, and the offensive line injuries, this is the second-worst EPA play for the Browns' offense in the last 10 years. And he said, not sustainable. I said, well, we are down our three offensive tackles, our quarterback, our running back, but we're fighters. We are fighters. So you take it how you can get it in the NFL. And it's not like it's it's not like we're being handed things. We're earning it. We're going out and earning it. No, we haven't played perfect, but nobody's perfect in the NFL. That's why it's so hard to do what the Dolphins did, to go undefeated once. Patriots couldn't even do it. They got close, but it's hard. The the talent across the league is just it's razor thin these margins sometimes. It's one bounce, it's one one penalty flag, it's one good play, it's one bad play. It's just one tackle, one missed tackle. It's a game. It's a one of the ultimate team sports, but it's also a game of individuals. Who can throw the perfect block to spring the, the, the play that you need? It's you make a one-handed catch. It's razor thin margins of error. But the Browns now, they got a body of work. We're 11 games into the season. We're seven and three. 11 weeks into the season, 10 games in, seven and three. That's what I intended to say. There's that famous quote, we are, no, they are, they were who we thought they were, and we let them get away. That was one from Dennis Green. The other one is, who said, is it Bill Parcells or uh, Mike Ditka? But it was, uh, we are what our record says we are. They are who their record says they are. And we are seven and three. So all eyes are going to turn now to the big game this week, I think. Ohio State is going in as the underdog. That might be a really nice opportunity for you degenerates out there to put a couple ducats down. Uh, far be it from me to give you any advice, but I, I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. You can see you can see that team up north. They've played differently now that their cheating coach is not coaching. Now that they're everybody's on to what they're doing, and they've had a chance to maybe change all their signals now. So th there might be a really nice opportunity. It is in Ann Arbor. That's going to be a tough environment. But, hey, Buckeyes <laughs> in that team up north, number two and number three, I think we should be ranked number one. I don't, I don't know how we got leapfrogged by Georgia based on – it's not like we played a bad game. It's not like Georgia did anything super incredible. We just got leapfrogged by them. Um, but, yeah, two versus three, both undefeated end of the year that's that's exactly what it's about i i played at brunswick with the blue devils and we we had our uh, rivals strongsville mustangs and they were right there we share a border and they were in our conference and it would always be we'd be undefeated in the conference playing each other 
for the for the for the title. Oh, that was nice. And it was even nicer that we won both years, my junior year, senior year. Um but that that that's exa- it always reminded me Brunswick Strongsville was a little microcosm for Ohio State and Michigan uh in that team up north. Sorry, I don't even like saying their name. Super excited for this game. Uh, Ryan Day, a lot of pressure. He's lost, what, two in a row? This is not not Ohio State football. Um, Past couple decades, we've dominated this game. And I'm really pulling for Ryan Day to get this one. So, super amped for the game. Uh, Join us on the Unhappy Hour. Um, uh, Do a search on Facebook, the Unhappy Hour Sports Show, a support group. It's a private group, so you might have to answer a question, and we'll let you in. Um, on Twitter, X, we are at the unhappy hour underscore. Where else are we? Spotify. Subscribe to our podcast, please. Spotify podcast, the unhappy hour sports show. So, good job, Browns. Just, it's just, it's tiring. These prize fight games, they just take a lot out of you as a fan. But hell. Doesn't take out as much when you win. <laughs> it might drain the battery, but it also charges it back up. Just might take a little bit of time to do that teeter totter flip flop thing um, while you're refilling your cup. But good job, good job, guys. Keep it going. In DTR, we trust. Just just do some hitch and goes. Do some stop and start plays. Air it up. You gotta take some deep shots. You gotta plan it. You gotta have a rhyme and a reason for it. But you got to do a couple per game, at least one per half. You got to stretch the field because it got tight in that second second half. And that's something that opposing defenses, they're going to watch and they're going to figure out real quick what we're trying to do. So keep it up. Good job fighting. No excuses. We got every reason to piss and moan, whine. Yeah, we're missing our players. We're injured. It's not our oh, – woe is me. dum da dum da dum da 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 No, just fight. Next man up and go Buckeyes. All right, signing out for the New American Media and the Unhappy Hour. My name is Brian Engelman. I appreciate you. I love you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Peace.